Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. And I couldn't really, but I just did what I could with it. Um, but Lord's back about destiny. Okay. Um, so we're going to give it a go. I say that because there's, there's lots of things that you said and there's material, but let's, let's just see how it goes, okay? I believe, um, I tried to get out of it, to be honest, and, and bring something else, <laughs> but he said, no, no, this is the one. So the title of this message is Going to Jericho, okay? Going to Jericho. Um, it's a bit of a... Perhaps a little bit strange title, but that's his title. It's not me at all. He just literally said, go into Jericho. And it took me a few days to kind of get what, where he was coming from. Okay, so Jericho, what is that? Well, we know it's a city in, in, in the word of God. But let's talk a little bit about the origin. Um, so Jericho was the first city attacked by the Israelites after they crossed the Jordan, which we'll get into. Um, and entered Canaan. The wall of Jericho was destroyed, okay? When the Israelites walked around it for seven days, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and on the seventh day, Joshua commanded his people to blow their trumpets made of ram's horns and shout at the walls. Shout at the walls. Hold on to that. Until they finally fell down. I mean, that's Joshua 6. So we all know the story. We all, we all know it quite well. We're taught it in school. We're taught it in church, everything. And that's my bit done. Amen. Nah, it's not really, not really. Um, now, Jericho's name in the Hebrew, if I get this right, I think it is Yericho, is generally thought um, to derive from the Canaanite word reha, which is R-E-A-H, which means fragrant. So the place itself is supposed to have a sweet aroma. Jericho. His mouth, his sweet smell, the place of fragrance. A fenced city in the midst of a vast grove of palm trees. So it's beautiful. In Deuteronomy, it's going to be quite a bit of scripture, in Deuteronomy uh, 34, 1-4, and Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Neb, oh, to the top of Pisgah. That is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land from Gilead to Dan, and all Nephtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah to the western Mediterranean Sea, and the south of the Negev, and the plain that is the valley of Jericho, so there's a valley, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, 
This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. And we'll get on to that. So, Jericho is thought to be the oldest city in the world. The oldest. And also the city with the oldest known protective wall. Right, so let's look at the dimensions. It's always good to have a perspective physically. So in archaeology, they have found that the original Jericho city was 40,000 square meters and was surrounded by a stone wall at least four meters high and two meters wide at the base. Inside the wall was a stone tower, 8.5 meters high and nine meters wide at the base. The tower had an internal staircase with 22 steps. So you can kind of picture it. But in technology of the day, Jericho represented um, unequivocally a purely militarily placed building. So it was there to defend something. Okay? And this is what we need to talk about. But I'm going to do a little aside, an important aside. Um, I think it was towards the end of April this year, the Lord said to me, he said, son, you do not know how to take new ground. Go and meditate on Joshua 1. Okay. So I said, Lord, I do loads of spiritual warfare. He said, yeah, but you don't. You haven't fully got this. Um, And I'm going to read it. And I'm going to give you some points that the Lord gave to me. And it, what the Lord was expressing to me was that knowing how to take ground is very important in the kingdom. Taking ground and keeping ground. Okay? And this is really the central element of what we're going to talk about. Many of us take ground, but then we concede territory. And we don't know why. Some of us are too bashful to take ground aggressively. So we fail even before we get there. Others of us us don't even know that we're supposed to dominate a place. Wherever we are in this, the Lord is mentioning it. So let's read Joshua 1. And then we will just talk a little bit about it. Um, Okay. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, this minister, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise, take his place, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I am giving to them, the Israelites. Every place upon which the sole of your foot shall tread. That have I given to you, as I promised Moses. From the wilderness 
and this Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, Canaan, and the great Mediterranean Sea on the west shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong, confident, and of good courage, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only you be strong and very courageous, that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way, shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good successes. Have not I commanded you, be strong, vigorous, and very courageous. Be not afraid. Neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go into, take possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you of these two and a half tribes a place of rest and will give you this land east of the Jordan. Your wives and little ones and your cattle shall dwell in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But all your mighty men of valor shall pass on before your brethren on the, uh, and the, of the other tribes and, and helped them possess their land. Until the Lord gives your brethren rest as he has given you. And they also possess the land of the Lord your God. He's given them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and possess it, the, the land Moses, the Lord's God's servant, gave you on the sunrise side of Jordan. They answered Joshua, all you command us, we will do. And whatever and wherever you send us, we will go. Okay, so big scripture lots in there okay so the lord was saying to me right that you don't know how meditate so what is the first thing we see here whatever number one the lord says is yours gives you the right to possess physically because spiritually it is now within your jurisdiction you must be very clear about its parameters and size 
God is specific and accurate. Okay? That's Joshua 1.4, which I've just read. You must be clear about what is your jurisdiction. If you're not clear, don't move. Okay? Number two, you must arrive at the place and place your feet there and claim it in order to make it yours. Take possession of your possession. So you have to say, this is mine. Okay? Number three, you must be strong and very courageous. In fact, God said it three times to Joshua. Strong and very courageous. There's no cowardice involved in taking ground. Okay? You must be in faith and not waver. Remember that the Lord himself is backing you and is with you. Number four, do not be afraid or dismayed. Do not show or demonstrate fear. Joshua 1 9. Number five, you must obey God's word. On your way there and when you get there. This is how you stay there. We must obey the word of God to the T. In other words, we must do things God's way. There's no point getting some wonderful job. God got you there. And then you behaving like some worldly person. Okay? We'll probably go into it a little bit. So we must behave wisely in order to prosper and have good success. In order to win every battle, which we'll go into. It's one thing to possess your possession. It's another thing to have success in your possession. Okay. And then number six, you must be willing to fight. Okay. And this is one of the biggest ones. You must be willing to go to war. Have your armor on and your weapons ready. There are going to be battles until the Lord gives you rest in your possession. Okay? That's Joshua 1, 14, 15, I think. So what we're talking about, we're not talking about physical fighting, although there's a place for that. Spiritual warfare, our weapons of warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God. Okay? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 16. But we must master these think on these the things that I've put before you because honestly without all of them we have limited success okay so what does Jericho represent in the spirit to ask the Lord and the Lord began to say because obviously it's still there, Jericho's still there, but the wall's down, or at least it got rebuilt, but it happened, the events happened. But the Lord is still talking about Jericho, okay? And he wants us to reflect on what Jericho means in the spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit began to tell me this. He said, Jericho represents a place that you get to where you encounter opposition in terms of you moving forward in your life with respect to destiny and my plan for your future. So he's talking about the way Jericho was set up, the Jericho wall, the mandate to keep out those that will come in. Okay? He went on and said, it is the first place of opposition when you arrive at your God-given place of blessing. Your first battle with the giants of the new ground is the first place of opposition. So let's, let's look at Hebrews 11, 30 to 31. It says this, because of faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encompassed for seven days by the Israelites. Prompted by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed along with those who refused to believe and obey because she had received the spies in peace without enmity. So those in Jericho stood in opposition to what God wanted to do and they refused to believe in the God of the Jews. But there's more. So Joshua, he knew the importance of overcoming Jericho. He knew that if he was unable to lead Israel or the Israelites to overcome Jericho after crossing the Jordan, it would have probably been pure frustration in terms of trying to possess their possession. And so what he did was he sent some spies as we know the story. Joshua 2, 1 to 2 says this, Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Chittim as scouts saying, go, view the land, especially Jericho. So he knew that strategically that land was only ever going to be opened if they dealt with Jericho. And they went and they came to the house of the harlot named Rahab and lodged there. It was told the king of Jericho, behold, there came men in here tonight of the Israelites to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring forth the men who have come to you, entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, yes, two men came to me, but I did not know from where they had come. So what are we to make of that whole situation? Well, the Holy Spirit said this to me, and he said, when you are looking at Jericho, Jericho's situation, he said, the challenge of Jericho cannot be assessed from afar off. 
you actually have to have arrived there and be at the war. Now, I did ponder on this. But it's part of what Jericho represents to us in that you have to go out and meet the challenge of Jericho in order to be victorious. I guess. But it's a reason why Joshua sent the spies there to spy out, to check out what was happening there, to see what was necessary. Okay? Um, I'm not going to read all of Joshua 2, but needless to say, I'll read from verse 8. It says this, Before the two men had lain down, Rahab came up to them on the roof. And she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the east side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted. Neither did our spirit or courage remain any more in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. So the reputation, or indeed The fame of the Israelites was already known from what happened in Egypt. But it was a new generation now. So the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, Jericho is a gateway to generational blessing. Okay. Now this is where we have to reflect on what our Jericho may be. It's a gateway to generational blessing. Okay, so how do we see this? Numbers 3. No, Numbers 34, 1 to 2 says this. And the Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites when you come into the land of Canaan. So when you come into the land of Canaan, the first place you're going to meet is Jericho. It's right there at the forefront. Which is the land that shall be yours for an inheritance, the land of Canaan, according to its boundaries. So the first thing that's happening here is that the Lord is telling Moses what the boundary of his prom the promised land should be. So he's defining it. Then he told Moses how to allocate the land by lots across the tribes of Israel. So we see that in Numbers. I think it's 34. Yeah, 13, I think it is. Yeah. Moses commanded the Israelites, this is the land you shall inherit by lot 
which the Lord has commanded to give to the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Okay. And then we see in Numbers 36, 13, these are the commandments of the ordinances which the Lord commanded the Israelites through Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan River at Jericho. Okay. So in that respect, you can see clearly that it is a gateway to generational blessing because we're talking about the promised land. But it goes further than that. If we look at the genealogy of Christ in Matthew 1, um, 1 to 5, the book of the ancestry, genealogy of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the son, descendant of David, the son, descendant of Abraham, if we skip down to verse 5, we see Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Now, I'm not going to go all the way down. If you see it, it ends with Jesus himself. But if you look at the women, just focus on the women, okay? You will see that Rahab was one of the five women mentioned in the genealogy. First one was Tamar, the wife of Judah. And then we have Rahab herself, uh, Rahab herself, the wife of Salmon. Then you've got Ruth, wife of Boaz. And we've got um, Bathsheba, wife of King David, after he took her from Uriah. And Mary, the mother of Jesus. Other than Mary... Rahab is the only one mentioned again in the New Testament. So, gateway to generational blessing if we look at Jesus. So, in the realm of the Spirit, Jericho to you and I, whichever, whatever Jericho represents for you today or in the future, it is a gateway to generational blessing. So the Holy Spirit went on and he said, but there are many types of Jericho. Because you are established through taking over Jericho. There are many types. It could be your first job in an organization. Your first God-given job. What do I mean by that? God wants you to have a particular job. Okay. Somewhere. It could be you're already in an organization and it's your next position at a higher level, which is actually your Jericho. God is wanting to move us from mediocrity to destiny. Okay? And he said to me that there are many opportunities that are in front of you that seem, may seem difficult. They are difficult because they represent Jericho. But he wants you to take it. I think I'm facing one myself, to be honest, <laughs> as I speak. It could be the battle to fulfill your ministry or calling. If we look at Jeremiah, 
he had to fight a lot of battles to fulfill his ministry. He was ordained a prophet from his mother's womb. But before he could fulfill his ministry, he was faced with challenges. He was persecuted severely in his ministry. Ditched. But eventually, he was set free. Jeremiah, I'm not going to go through all of these. 1, 4, 5, 26, 1 to 24, so on and so on. It could be a battle of the firstborn. You could be the firstborn in a household. I mean, I, I can tell you, us Nigerians, we go through some things. And this one is very evident. If you are the firstborn male in a household and they are not in Christ, God help you. It's a real deal. God help you. I say that because this challenge, this Jericho challenge, you need to go full on, okay? And you need to be without fear and you need to be aggressive. It could be a battle to receive God's blessings. I've had one or two battles myself. You know, the list goes on. Whatever it means to you, may the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, expose it and show you. The Lord said a strange thing. He said, it's not just about the walls of Jericho. It's also about the foundations holding them up. And I, was, I said, okay, what does that mean? And he said that the foundations of Jericho represents life outside of me. In the spirit, he's talking about you. This is not visible with the naked eye. He said in the spirit, the foundations, the incentive that said put up these walls represents life outside of me. If we look at Joshua 6, 26, then Joshua laid this oath on them. Cursed is the man before the Lord who raises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn shall he lay its foundations. And with the loss of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. So that's not supposed to be rebuilt. 1 Kings 16.34, we see that in his days, Hail, I think you pronounce it, the Bethlehemite built Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of the life of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up its gates with the loss of his youngest son, Segab, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Joshua, son of Nun. So he's Joshua could see that this wall, these walls, these foundations were not supposed to be rebuilt. And he cursed them. When Jericho is open, people's lives change because they have arrived at a place of destiny. 
where they have divine influence. The Holy Spirit said this to me, said, there is often fear that weakens you, holding on to my original instruction. In other words, go and possess, but you get scared. When you reach your Jericho wall of opposition, but you must remember to tell the wall that you are supposed to be there and that it's time for the wall to come down. That's why they shouted at the wall. It's time for you to come down. Okay. Then the Holy Spirit said this to me, and I don't know what the relevance of it, but I'll put it out there anyway. He said that Moses knew about Jericho at the burning bush. As early as the burning bush, he knew about it. But he did not see that it was not his generation that would receive the breakthrough. And when you look at the scripture in Exodus 3, 7 to 8, you see this. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters and oppressors, for I know their sorrows and sufferings and trials. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand and power of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a land good and large, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty. It's the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. At that point, I believe that Moses saw a picture, and he saw Jericho, he saw the palm trees, he saw the future, he saw it, he saw the image, but he didn't know that he himself would not make it there. Okay. So then the Lord began to say, right, there's a way that you possess. Okay. And he showed me um, how he took Joshua and the Israelites through. And he said this, my children need to trust the experience of the journey to know that I will get them through the wall. Make the journey worthwhile. Do what I ask of you always. I will equi- it will equip you for when you have to face the wall. All right, so we see in Joshua 3, 5. Now, this is preparation. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. That is, separate yourselves from for a special holy purpose. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. So preparation. So what is it that you need to do? What part of your life, what aspect do you need to clean up? I began to think. Next one. God's promise, your jurisdiction of possession. We see this in Joshua 
3, 9 to 10. Joshua said to the Israelites, come near, hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, hereby you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will surely drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Perizzites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jubazites. Okay, so he was literally saying, I'm going to do all of this. This is your jurisdiction. So there comes a time when the Lord will say to you, that job, I'm going to put you from here to there. Okay, that business, I'm going to establish it for you, here or there. He gives you the exact jurisdiction of your possession. Okay, Very important. This is what we went through in the, the steps. Next one. Supernatural crossing of the Jordan. There comes a time in this journey that God wants to show you his power to encourage you so that when you're facing that wall, you're thinking of what he did previously on the journey. Okay, Joshua 3, 14 to 16. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were in the brink of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. Then the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in a heap far off at Adam. Can you imagine water just, just rising up, just standing in a heap? Still turning, but just... The city that is beside Verstam and those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the salt dead sea, were wholly cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho. And while all Israel passed over on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. What show of supernatural power has God already put before you to demonstrate that he's with you? The next one, the Lord magnified Joshua. Now I put this down to obedient leadership. If you are leading a ministry or you're leading people, we have to behave in this process very obediently. And in Joshua 4, 14, it says that on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they stood in awe of him as they stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. Now, that's very important for leadership because if it's a case that you're leading a ministry or you're leading a project or whatever it is to do with the Lord, people need to follow you wholeheartedly. So it's necessary for the Lord to magnify you in their sight. 
just a few more. Giving you a name and a reputation for your possession. Now, before you step into anything, say, for example, in the working environment, if they're going to promote you, you need to have a good reputation. Okay? You need to be of good standing. Okay? God will always give you some kind of reputation that will mean that people will take you seriously. And this is what, exactly what he did with the Israelites. You see in Joshua 5, we already talked about it. When all the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted And there was no spirit in them anymore because of the Israelites. So the whole land, the future battles that were coming, and they were coming, were already won in their hearts. Because God had shown such power over Israel that people looked at them as though they were unbeatable. One of the things about possessing your possession is that you must be right with God. Okay? And the reason why you must be right with God is because Satan is at the back of every battle. He's behind it when it comes to the things of God for your life. It's him. It's not people. They're there, but it is Satan. And we must realize this. So if you're going to go up against Satan, you need to be operating according to God's word accordingly obedient to his word. So if we look in Joshua 5, 5 to 9, we see that Joshua had to circumcise the whole of the Israelites because the, the, these were the children of those who came out of Egypt who all died off. And they had been circumcised, but none of these guys had been circumcised in the wilderness. So, according to Jewish law, they were not really clean in that sense. So, they had to be circumcised before they went into battle. Okay. Um, If we look in verse 9, it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of the place is called Gilgal, rolling to this day. Now what does that mean for us? Well, we are, as children of God, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay? So we don't have to do anything. We're covered with Christ's righteousness. But it is still necessary if there is obvious sin in your life for you to repent before you go to battle concerning your destiny. Okay? And then, just two more. Spiritual encounter. And I love this. This is where the captain of the host stood before Joshua in Joshua 5, 13 to 14. When Joshua was by Jericho, 
So he crossed over the Jordan and he stood looking at the wall, okay? He looked up and behold, a man stood near him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? Now just picture this, how brave Joshua must have been. Because he knew that this wasn't a mere man. And he went to him ready to oppose that guy. Are you for us or are you against us? Just think about that. And he said, no, neither. But as prince or captain of the Lord's host, have I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. And said to him, what says my Lord to his servant. And the prince of the Lord's host said to Joshua, loose your shoes from off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And that was it. The Bible doesn't actually say what that was about. But I asked the Lord, and he said, this happened because of the level of warfare that was needed to bring my people, Israel, to their possession. He sent the captain of the host to stand before Joshua to tell him, we're here. What level of spiritual encounter do you need? Some of us have had stuff occur and we didn't understand that God was saying this very thing. makes you think and then the last one which was another section but it is part of the same theme was this the Lord just said on the fields around Jericho there was no manna just like that abstract I thought there was no manna If we look in Joshua 5, 10 to 12, it says this. And the Israelites encamped in Gilgal, and they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at evening in the plains of Jericho. So it was the plains or the field like I've got here. And on that same day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased on the day after they ate of the produce of the land and the Israelites had manna no more but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year so I asked the Lord why did you stop and he said to confirm that this is the land of the heritage a land flowing with milk and honey a land of plenty to confirm it, he went on and said, if I did not stop the manna, they would not have fully recognized where they were. What is God going to have to stop or has already stopped in your supply line just to show you it's time for you to possess your possession? If you sit in a place for too long and God wants you to move, do you know he cuts your resources. He will cut your resources, not because he's wicked, 
But because he knows, you have to be convinced to possess your possession. The time at this level is over. Your resources are dried. Move to the next level where I have greater sufficient resources. This is what the Lord is saying. If we look at it, right, the Bible talks about the manna. A delicacy tasted like honey. It tasted literally like honey, but it wasn't honey. It was there to replace what they needed or to, to be sufficient for them in every way, in every nutritional way. But it's interesting that it tasted like honey. And they were going to a land flowing with milk and honey. They lived on manna for 40 years. There's some calculations that were done. And what they found out was it was something like Four hundred thousand pounds of manna a day for Israel, for the Israelites. If you look at the scale and the size of the tribe and the, the land mass that they covered, God sent manna every day to that volume. Apart from Sabbath, well, on a Friday they. They'd have to collect more, I think it was, every day. Okay? Some people were born into that. They hadn't seen any other type of food. Manna, every day, every day, every day. Didn't get bored with it. So it had to taste like every kind of food that you would eat to satisfy you. Because God is not going to give you something that's not going to satisfy you, you see. Every day for 40 years. Then all of a sudden, stops. Stops. The Lord said this to me. He said, if there is no Jericho, then you have not yet arrived at your destination. If you are not facing that level of opposition, you've got to question, is this your destiny? If you do not experience any opposition, either to stop you moving into your place of destiny or to stop you receiving it, then you've probably not yet reached the territory of destiny. I'm not talking about Destiny to write pop music. I'm talking about your God-given destiny. Satan will trouble you on this one. Because that's the one that will bring glory to his name. That's the one that will grow the kingdom. That's the one that you'll be rewarded for. So he hates it. Okay? Some of us are looking and thinking, well... I'm not in any kind of battle like that. And I don't have any way of knowing whether or not I'm going to be. You're mistaken. 
The first and primary battle of destiny is the battle to be like Christ. It is the first kind of battle that you will face as a Christian in being conformed into the image of Christ. Romans 8:29 says, "We are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We all face stiff opposition in an effort to be like Christ. Satan would do everything to hinder us from being like Christ. The flesh also resists us from being conformed to the image of Christ. The battle of destiny is essentially those battles we fight in our efforts to be what God wants us to be or to receive those blessings which God has ordained for us. Okay. I will say one last thing on this. The Holy Spirit says there is a season after the wall comes down where you need to have patience even though you have arrived at destiny through breakthrough. And when he said this, I thought, wow, so we just we need to wait? And he said, no. You need to have patience before you reach a time of rest. In other words, this is when the battles start. He said this to me. He said, I want you all to understand that the process of establishing you in your destiny is not an overnight occurrence. It takes time in growth and obedience, and there are battles and more battles. But the time of rest will come when you are fully able to occupy all territory I have given you. Okay? The rest will come when you are able to fully occupy get into that job and you thought everything was going to be easy and then they start attacking you the challenges are there the workload is there whatever it is and you think is this really the job for me the Lord is saying be patient battles come in many guises okay it takes time to establish you be of good courage so you can have good success very important Okay, Jonathan, last slide, well, first and last slide. <laughs> I picked this one, I found this on the internet, because it shows the battles that Joshua and the Israelites went through for the conquest of Canaan, okay? Just look at the number of fights. All right, we're talking after Jericho, right? After they took Jericho, Israel the aggressor and the victor, right? There were then 12 battles that they fought. One of them they lost. You can see it there, AI. And that was because of Achan, I think it was. Um, he took stuff that he shouldn't have. But the rest, they were the aggressor and they defeated their foe. Every single one of them. All of those battles, Israel the aggressor, Israel the victor, 
whatever you are going through, if it's seems like a mad spiritual battle, okay, be patient. It is what is required to get you established. Be assured, every battle for destiny, nothing can happen unless God approves it. But it's for his glory, it's for your testimony, it is to mature you. Joshua 11, 23 says this. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their allotments by tribes. And the land had rest from war. Father, I thank you. Destiny is a very important thing to the Lord. Each one of us has different destinies. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that whatever Jericho war we face, you will empower us with courage and determination to see it come down. Whatever needs to be done in our lives in preparation for us to get to the territory of destiny, Lord, we allow you by your spirit. Open our eyes. Give us the spiritual understanding to take ground. Father, I destroy every word that has been spoken over your saints, which is contrary to their destiny. In the name of Jesus, I destroy it. I lift them up to their right position before you. You are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved you. There is nothing that God cannot do. Lord, receive all the glory and all the honor. And I pray for this church, Lord, that as we have gone from battle to battle, I know that according to your word, there is a time of possessing our possession and there is a time of rest. Show us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Train us, Lord. Equip us, Lord, for what lies ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. That was so good. So good. Um, there was a lot said there, but there's one particular point where he said, maybe you feel like you don't have a battle. Um, we do. Okay, and this is the second week in a row that there has been talk about 
us as a church and I don't know the the comeback as it were the recovery um us having gone through a season of loss um <coughs> downsizing we're still wandering in a sense I know we have a place here which is regular but it's not our own um and the first thing that came to mind when Elder Deji said he was going to talk about Jericho, the Lord said to me that Jericho is the gateway to a dwelling place. Tina mentioned it earlier about church. I mentioned it last week, church, building, whatever. So if you are sitting here and think, I don't have a personal Jericho, we as a church have a Jericho. It's a gateway to a dwelling place. And um, it's for us to be as aggressive as ever. I think the best thing about that slide is that Israel was always the aggressor. So let's stop waiting for the fight to come to us. And let's kick some butt. Turn to your neighbor and say, sharpen your sword. <coughs> Turn to the same neighbor and say, because I'm going to need you. Yeah, I'm going to need you in the fight. Um, guys, we'll be here again next week at 10.30 no, 11.30 a.m. Hey, Shabba. Starting early, boy. Um, <clears throat> we'll be here again next week, guys. If you do turn up a bit early, um, do join in with the prayer that goes on um, upstairs. The intercessors do meet to pray upstairs. Um, keep praying for the leaders, the church, um, the community. Clap them. Pray for something, okay? Just find anything to pray for um, and sharpen your sword, as I just said, as you just said to your neighbor. Um We'll leave it there. Thank you guys for coming. And we will see you next week. Peace. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 